this sermon, his ways are not our ways. What does that mean? How do you hear it? His ways are not our ways. One way to understand it, I think quite common way, is uh, that it's talking about God's providence, his sovereignty. Uh, as for him, God works in mysterious ways. And that we don't always understand what God is doing, particularly with when something bad happens. His ways are not our ways. That's certainly true, but in the context of Isaiah 55, it means something quite different. When it says his ways are not our ways, it means that God is more merciful, more compassionate than we can possibly understand. His grace, his kindness, his willingness to forgive us, his desire to do us good is beyond our comprehension. What Isaiah 55 is teaching is that we have an impoverished view of God. And our natural way of thinking about God is not just a little bit off from the reality. No, as high as the heavens are above the earth, God's ways are higher than our ways. Now, in one sense, that's true across the board. We cannot fully understand God in his majesty and greatness. But here in Isaiah 55, it's particularly in relation to his mercy, his compassion and love. His love for us is greater than we can imagine. As Dane Orman says in his book, Gentle and Lonely, that this sermon series is based on, we instinctively think that God is like us, which is why we need the Bible to correct our wrong thinking. The Bible startles us with a God who is more gentle and compassionate than we could ever dream. Basically a small version of something. So you get pygmy hippos and uh, pygmy possums and pygmy goats. Pygmy goats, apparently they're only about this tall, very cute. Jim Packer says in his classic book, Knowing God, that we are pygmy Christians because we have a pygmy God. In other words, our maturity as Christian people, our stature as Christian people is directly related to the view of God that we have. If we want to grow, as followers of Jesus, we need to grow, most of all, in our vision, in our grasp of who Jesus is. And in particular, we need to grow in our grasp of his love. In Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, which I quote fairly often, Paul's praying for the Ephesians to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He's praying for their growth, their maturity. And how does Paul envisage this happening? How does he envisage, envisage them being filled to the measure of all the fullness of God? It's as they grow in their grasp of Christ's limitless love. Last week, I made mention of uh, the movie Good Will Hunting. Uh, there's another bit in that movie where um, Robin Williams, who plays a character called Sean, the counselor, is talking to the main character, um, Will. He's saying to Will, all that stuff that happened in your past, not your fault. And do you remember the scene? It's a scene, a really powerful scene. And, and, and Will says, yeah, I have. And Sean says, no, it's not your fault. And Will says, yeah, it is your fault. I know. And Sean says, no, it isn't. It's not your fault. Moment uh, for Will, he's able to uh, deal with 
I feel like this book has turned my moment, and hopefully the sermon series to some extent is God saying to each one of us, I love you. And I imagine most of us are saying, yeah, God, I am. And God is saying, no, I love you. And we're saying, yeah, God, I know. And he's saying many things. Not so, not nearly as much. Let me lead us in a prayer. Father, thank you that your word does not return to you empty, but it does accomplish that which you send it. And so we pray that by the power of your spirit, your word would bear fruit in our lives today. Father, open us up, open us up, open up our hearts, enable us to grasp. Uh, it lasted about three hours, uh, and the food 
the end, we won't even start. Just So here in Isaiah 55 is the offer of life, a life of abundance and satisfaction that the whole creation can share. But what is this life? Look again at verse 3. Give ear and come to me, listen that you again, your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. At the heart of the life that God offers us is now that's not a word that's used commonly today, but it's a really important biblical word and idea for us to get our heads around. When God talks about covenant, he's talking about relationship. So marriage is a covenant relationship. It's a relationship 
Covenant is a relationship that is both legal and personal. It's binding and intimate. It's both secure and warm and life-giving at the same time. And those two things go hand in hand. We might think that the formality of marriage pushes out any spontaneity and passion, but no, in fact, it's the promises and the commitment of marriage that provide the security for intimacy and passion and love. And so at the heart of this life that God is offering to us, inviting us to take hold of, is a relationship. A relationship with God himself. You can see that in the way God describes it in verse 3. An everlasting covenant I'll make with you, my faithful love promised to David. God's faithful love, his committed love, his steadfast It seems very conditional. 
obey and you will be disobeyed and you die. This tension is what moves the story of the Bible along. The fact that God is making promises but humans are always failing to hold up their side. Do you know how the Bible resolves this tension? Do you know how God can fulfill his promise of an unconditional everlasting covenant when humans are so failing? Because does it by sending a substitute. Someone who would stand in our place as our Someone who would satisfy the terms of the covenant for us, as us. Jesus Christ is the one who fulfills every condition of the covenant. He lives a life of perfect obedience. And on the cross, he pays the full penalty for all disobedience. He lives the life we should have lived. Enjoyment of eternal life. How can we take hold of 
Really, the application of this sermon is the same as the application throughout the series. Come. Come to the Lord. Particularly here in Isaiah 55, turn to the Lord. Verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God. Turning from those other things that we look to for satisfaction, but finding it compounded on faith. You know, we all have something, don't we? Maybe a number of things that we look to for ultimate satisfaction. It's the thing that makes you feel at peace, content, makes you feel that everything's right in the world. Contentment you have it is very lonely, very lonely. Maybe think of it. We all have things that make us happy. Puppies, sunny days, ice cream. But we also all have things without which we could never be happy. A food, significance, success, comfort, pleasure, wealth, security. The desire for those things drives us. We'll labor, we'll spend ourselves to get those things.
Thank you. 